haven't missed it, have I? No, Reverend Campbell is just about to start. I propose to shorten my sermon this evening because we have a visitor in the pulpit whose presence is somewhat significant of the spiritual drawing together of East and West, as well as of the material drawing together which has long been going on. And I think you would like to hear his voice, if only for a few moments. This evening, I would like to review Luke 18, verse 1, on the use of the will of prayer. You might be wondering where we are right now. It's the 11th of September, 1911, and we're in the city temple in London. The room is full. There are close to 2,000 congregation members present tonight. And prior to the Reverend's address, no announcement has been made about the guests from Persia. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to revisit Abbas Effendi's first public address to the Western world. I'm Lorraine Sherrill. And I'm Mary Okonkwo. Stay with us. You're listening to the Journey West podcast, dedicated to following the travels of Abdu'l-Bahá in the West. So before we start the show, we should probably explain a little bit about the podcast and the Journey West project. The main purpose of the site is to bring to life the travels of Abbas Effendi, also known as Abdu'l-Bahá. For those who are not aware, Abdu'l-Bahá was the son of Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. One hundred years ago, he embarked on two tours of the Western world, after being held as a religious prisoner for over 40 years. Here on the podcast, we will explore some of his major talks in the West, as well as discuss their implications for today. We hope you enjoy it. Now let's get back to the city temple. This evening we have in the pulpit of the city temple the leader of one of the most remarkable religious movements of this or any age. A movement which includes, I understand, at least three million souls. The Baha'i movement, as it is called, in hither Asia rose on the soil just as spontaneously as Christianity rose in the middle territories adjoining. And that faith which, by the way, is very closely akin to, I think I might say identical with, the spiritual purpose of Christianity. That movement stands for the spiritual unity of mankind. It stands for universal peace among the nations. These are good things, and the man who teaches them and commends them to three million followers must be a good man as well as a great. Abdu'l-Bahá, is on a visit to this country. A private visit, but he wished to see the city temple. And I think I am right in saying, for the first time in his life, he has consented to lift up his voice in public. He does not address public meetings. He does not preach sermons. He is just a religious teacher. He spent 40 years in prison for his faith, and from his prison directed the efforts of his followers. There is not much in the way of organization, but simple trust in the Spirit of God. We as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is to us and always will be the light of the world, 
view with sympathy and respect every movement of the Spirit of God in the experience of mankind. And therefore, we give greetings to Abdu'l-Bahá. After Reverend Campbell's introduction, Abdu'l-Bahá rose and advanced towards the pulpit. His address lasted less than nine minutes, but it was, according to the Star of the West, given with considerable animation, his voice rising and falling as in rhythmic chant. Today's reading of this historic talk, originally spoken in Persian, will be recited by Kendra Booth. Address given by Abdu'l-Bahá at the City Temple, Sunday, September 10th, 1911. O noble friends, O seekers after God, praise be to God. Today the light of truth is shining upon the world in its abundance. The breezes of the heavenly garden are blowing throughout all regions. The call of the kingdom is heard in all lands, and the breath of the Holy Spirit is felt in all hearts that are faithful. The Spirit of God is giving eternal life. In this wonderful age, the East is enlightened, the West is fragrant, and everywhere the soul inhales the holy perfume. The sea of the unity of mankind is lifting up its waves with joy for there is real communication between the hearts and minds of men. The banner of the Holy Spirit is uplifted, and men see it, and are assured with the knowledge that this is a new day. This is a new cycle of human power. All the horizons of the world are luminous and the world will become indeed as a garden and a paradise. It is the hour of unity of the sons of men and of the drawing together of all races and all classes. You are loosed from ancient superstitions which have kept men ignorant, destroying the foundation of true humanity. The gift of God to this enlightened age is the knowledge of the oneness of mankind and of the fundamental oneness of religion. War shall cease between nations, and by the will of God the most great peace shall come. The world will be seen as a new world, and all men will live as brothers. In the days of old, an instinct for warfare was developed in the struggle with wild animals. This is no longer necessary. Nay, rather, cooperation and mutual understanding are seen to produce the greatest welfare of mankind. Enmity is now the result of prejudice only. In the hidden words, Baha'u'llah says, Justice is to be loved above all. 
Praise be to God in this country, the standard of justice has been raised. A great effort is being made to give all souls an equal and a true place. This is the desire of all noble natures. This is today the teaching for the East and for the West. Therefore, the East and the West will understand each other and reverence each other and embrace like long-parted lovers who have found each other. There is one God. Mankind is one. The foundations of religion are one. Let us worship him and give praise for all his great prophets and messengers who have manifested his brightness and glory. The blessing of the Eternal One be with you in all its richness, that each soul, according to his measure, may take freely of him. Amen. The original translation was read to the congregation by Major Tudor Pohl, who greatly admired Abdu'l-Baha. This brings us to our third segment of the podcast. Too many times, beautiful ideas are never translated into action. In a later talk by Abdu'l-Baha, he states that, quote, Some men and women glory in their exalted thoughts, but if these thoughts never reach the plane of action, they remain useless. The power of thought is dependent on its manifestation in deeds. So now we are joined by Diana, Joseph, and Anna to discuss the implications of this message and how to turn ideas into action. I'm Diana, and I'm a musician and a music teacher. I'm Joseph. I'm a history teacher. I'm Anna, and I'm a filmmaker. You know, in 1911, you've got the British Empire. He's in England for the first time. It is really at its zenith, and it is a global empire. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time you see global thought processes because Mm -hmm. it is a country that has jurisdiction all over the globe. So this is the beginning of what we still are looking at today. We think about the idea of um, global economies and global... So you know, social reality, global anything is being a new thing. But this is a hundred years ago, and this is their reality. So it replies, you know, just as much um, now as it as it did a hundred years ago, to this idea of thinking about uniting the East and the West, and um, the idea of of growing together in unity because we kind of have to. We are interconnected. And it's interesting. He explains that the instinct for warfare was developed in the struggle with wild animals, and this is no longer necessary. He also says enmity is now the result of prejudice only, which you have seen throughout the last hundred years or so, this, the world wars and what is the result of all of these things. Uh, even now, the struggles that are happening between the East and West are struggles of prejudice. We see now more and more the results of, of 
not understanding that. And as when we understand those things, this peace comes. You see these movements where peace comes when we understand that we need to stop being prejudiced towards each other. One argument that I've often heard about why this world is in the state it's in is that it's just human nature. It's human nature to fight survival of the fittest. That's the way it is. But to hear it proclaimed that um, that this is an instinct that was actually developed um, and to call it an animal instinct um, and then to, to propose that now cooperation and mutual understanding um, actually produce welfare. I think that's really important to recognize that it doesn't have to be that way. It's not an actual human instinct. It's an animal instinct. He then switches from that idea, that theme of of the animal instinct and the idea that we can now move towards um, mutual understanding to justice and really kind of like gives not only here's the problem, but here's something that we should look at as far as could as being a solution. Justice is to be loved above all. And um, you can't necessarily, you know, he's basically building the, the building the idea that you can't have justice if you're being prejudiced. It's mm-hmm. being unjust towards others. And war is one of the most unjust things that you can have. You know, it's, it's almost, as he says, illogical. It's, belo- it's beneath human nature. It's beneath humanity to have war. It's totally unjust. If we truly understand that mankind is one, then how much easier it is to practice, you know, uh, being just to each other. Mm -hmm. If I think that I'm different than you, so much so that uh, for whatever reason I should get a certain privilege over you, then I'm not going to be able to treat you justly. But if I understand that we are one, I'm going to treat you with justice because I'm going to understand your nobility as a person. So Abdu'l-Bahá says this is a new cycle of human power. Um, and he's talking about the age we live in, and he's also referring to the revelation of Baha'u'lláh, which is for mm-hmm. this age. Um, and when I hear cycle, I think of prophetic cycles. And in the Baha'i revelation... Um, the Baha'i revelation has a way to understand um, the station of all of the other prophets of God, Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Zoroaster, um, and the concept of the seal of the prophets, which is the title given to Muhammad, that's the station of Muhammad. Um, the way that the Baha'i revelation understands that is that he's not the last prophet, but he's the seal of this cycle of prophets and that Baha'u'llah is the herald of a new cycle of prophets, and his revelation is the revelation that will unite mankind. And something to this idea of it's not just a material, you, know, you could read into it of it being a very much a spiritual power, mm-hmm. because you know, a lot of people, you know, of course, wouldn't argue, oh yeah, you know, we have new technologies, new sciences, new th- ways of thinking, so it's very much a material, you know, a new cycle of power has begun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he's saying it's spiritual mm. in nature as well. You do see that because you see the the reverse effects of it if, if it's not channeled in an appropriate way from humanity. It's just that spirit that's trying to let itself out, but it doesn't know where to go. Or, you know, even if you look at entertainment and music and art and, and where it has gone even in the last 
100 years just trying crying out how can i express myself and express these ideas but feeling like i can't really get there but i think it's it's possibly because it needs you need these the spirit needs this uh revelation uh in order to progress and find a way to channel itself it's it's a popular idea in the bahai community that there's a coincidence between uh the industrial revolution and all of the advancements that took place um in the mid uh 19th century which coincides with um the revelation of bahaula um and so we think it's significant that um that this revelation should come in a time when mankind is also developing spiritually so, or or is also developing materially so these these this advancement it can all take place together um the material and the spiritual can progress together they're aiding each other it seems like as humanity progresses we're understanding ourselves more and more and it seems like the spiritual aspect of our existence though that's been recognized um since we were created since the beginning of humanity um i think we're starting to understand it differently and we're starting to understand it as an actual aspect of our daily lives and our needs as a society. Well, just as it says in this talk, the idea of, of man being noble beings and not being and you know animalistic, to think that's something that you're seeing the whole world community beginning to really talk about as this idea of we've got to take responsibility for the planet we've got to take responsibility to end conflicts between each other we got to take responsibility for, to end financial crises all these different things whereas before a lot of it was a idea of oh well you know this is human nature and well we're not this kind of this loss of nobility this idea that you know there is no hope of course there's always going to be war of course there's always going to be you know prejudice and we can't do anything about it. In the Bahai community, we've always been striving towards developing this mindset of thinking without prejudice, with thinking globally, with thinking in terms of uplifting community. Nowadays the the big idea within Bahai communities is community building and not community building big picture even but community building grassroots in your neighborhoods. You know, it starts somewhere. You've taken a grand idea and made it something that's very applicable and real. You can make change within your neighborhood you know you can see that beginning and now really we're beginning to see the fruits of that starting little by little day by day within communities around the world both bahai and non bahai but um that's become the focal point recently with the you know the global bahai plans and the global bahai community of building up neighborhood community building at the very local level because that's where you can begin to see see actual results. Many great themes were touched on by our round table. Now it's time for you to think of how to apply these concepts to our lives and turn thoughts into actions. Share your stories on the Journey West Facebook page or send us an email at podcast@thejourneywest.org. You might just get featured in one of our next posts. That's it for the podcast this week. Special thanks to Ivan Mihotsi, our sound engineer, as well as our guests Diana Malakalza, Joseph Wagner, Anna Castellas, Kendra Booth, and John Pilgrim, who played the role of Reverend Campbell. Thanks everyone. Bye. If you'd like more information about Abdul Baha's travels in the West, 
please visit our site at www.thejourneywest.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Journey West.